On this episode of the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, I sit down with sales and marketing expert, Josh Wagner, host of the Love Selling, Hate Sales Podcast, and we discuss all things process, systems, sales, marketing. You're not going to want to miss this. As always, please like, share, download, rate the show five stars. We really do appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Intro. The Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, hosted by Mike O'Kelly. Presented by Rhythm AI. The goal is to get in, dominate, then get out. Surviving outside sales. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike O'Kelly, and with me is a very special guest, Josh Wagner from the Love Selling Hate Sales podcast. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining the show and sharing your expertise with the audience, because that's really the most important thing. So tell everybody you've had a very long career in sales, very successful. Where do you want to start? Go back as far as you'd like to and say hello to the audience. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. You know, I'm an active practitioner in the sales profession, so I'm certainly not one of those people that's a pie in the sky, sales trainer, sales guru. My podcast, Love Selling Hate Sales, came out of the fact that being an active participant or an individual contributor I love the relationship part of sales. Like I really do the, you know, well, oftentimes people say it's the art and the science and I'm more drawn to the art. Now I know the science is absolutely necessary, but the words love and hate are far more polarizing. So it's better for the audience, mm -hmm. but going all the way back, I'm a 20 year professional, 20 plus year professional started um, selling radio ads in the early two thousands as an intern started a company after that with no contacts, no money, no experience. As you can imagine, that has some interesting building blocks or foundation for building a company. Sold e-learning when that market was really in an interesting place in the mid-2000s, and then currently sell professional services and consulting for a pretty sizable marketing and sales consulting organization. Fantastic. And you have a lot of different areas that you've sold as well. So it, it wasn't just kind of like my experience is mostly medical and pharmaceutical. And so yep. now, you know, there's a sales technology company that I helped found, but it really, in most of my experience, I know my way around a doctor's office. And so that's right. what are some of the challenges for the different types of sales, the different clientele? Have you built up a network that crossed over between positions? Talk about that and your relationships. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, one of my key philosophies is build a pipeline for life. And that actually means a lot of things. I know one of the topics that, you know, the structure for your show is really how do you get in, how do you dominate, and how do you exit? Right. And I think you're talking about that through the chasm of the sales profession. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about building a pipeline for life through those three lenses. Right. If you talk about getting into sales, the first thing you want to do is don't worry about selling a thing, a product, a service, whatever it may be. Worry about building up a baseline level of business acumen, right? Understand what executives care about, no matter what business you're going into. I don't care if you're selling to doctors at doctor's offices, you're selling widgets, you're selling enterprise software, really just get the fundamentals of business down, cash flow, profit and loss statements, balance sheets, how do companies look at their strategic initiatives? What are the levers that they pull in their business? And even though businesses are vastly different, there are some pretty common things, right? People are trying to acquire customers. 
They're trying to retain customers. They're trying to increase the lifetime value of those customers. Those are pretty common, right? So those that's a growth piece of it. The other side of it is the loss side of it. How do you help them save money, reduce costs, things like that? So just think about those big macro level business level business level levers that someone might pull because it gives you an opportunity to engage with someone in a business problem and figure out where they are. What what hurts for them right now? What are they thinking about? What are they concerned about? That's different than leading with a product or service conversation because if you get into that business level conversation, regardless of if you're a fit or not, you can bring a perspective, you can bring a point of view, you can coach them and you can coach them to, yeah, sure. We're a great fit for you. I think we might have a solution to solve for what it is, but almost more impactfully than yes, we are a fit for you is no, we're not a fit for you. Mm-hmm. And we're not a fit for you. And here's someone who is that little concept right there is one of the biggest trust builders in sales mm-hmm. because it does a couple of things. One is you just aren't trying to square peg round hole something. You're not just saying to someone, yeah, we absolutely, I can help you. I can sell you whatever it is I'm doing. You're saying, no, I respect you enough to tell you that I'm not the best fit for you. And now that person remembers that they trust you. They know that if there is a time in their life when they need what you can do, they're going to call you. So this is building pipeline for life. It's one piece of it. Now, if you refer them to somebody else who can help them, you've even doubled down on that concept of helping them, right? And that person that you referred them to now has kind of the reciprocation with you thinking, oh man, Josh or Mike just referred me to so-and-so. I'll think of him next time. I'm not a fit for someone. So now you've built another little tentacle into your pipeline for life. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big core starting points of, if you're getting into sales, think about business, think about where you fit, where you don't fit and, and really treat people the right way. That's great advice because you never know, even if you're starting out, you never know if your company is going to have a new product that will be a fit. Right. I know that happened a lot in the pharmaceutical industry where we'd add a product, we'd have one in development and we'd launch yep. it and it fit a lot better with yeah. the derm- you know, dermatologists and pain management. And all of a sudden, if you just wait until your product is ready you're going to be behind the eight ball. And so I haven't heard somebody explain it like that, but it's so simple. It was one of those things where, why didn't I think of that pipeline (laughs) for life? And we, we kind of, Josh, we kind of talk about in our, in in our world is building advocates Mm -hmm. and it's really the same thing. You know, we kind of give it a, a name down the road, but you give it more of a mental illustration right now because everybody knows in sales about building a pipeline. And so what I wanted to touch on was the, the point about the business acumen, where mm-hmm. a lot of companies focus on training. They don't necessarily talk about the back end of the business, the, yeah. the, the less sexy, less glamorous side, like you mentioned, you know, PL sheets and you know, reserves and you know, some of the financial parts of it. Everybody just yeah. thinks, well, you know, I don't understand why my commission didn't go up. You know, I just sold X amount of more <laughs> units. And, you know, right. you kind of hear that cost at the home office or cost of manufacturing, cost of shipping, cost of reimbursement, cost of samples. Like there's there's things that are hidden to you. And so I think it's very smart what you said of be be a student of the business and be a student of the industry, you know, not just focusing on your widget, your technical competence of that. That yeah. is important, but it's getting to know how does everything work because everything is a big system. 
a little ecosystem and, and you said macro, 100% agree. Learn the macro. At the beginning, focus on the micro, but realize there's a macro. So what kind of tips or what is your process to go from learning the micro in a new role and then focusing on the macro? So what's interesting is, is you almost brought it up there. Okay. You talked about in the pharma world, right? Yeah. Understanding how your commissions work and this and that. That's a good example because trust me when I say this, executives care about you as a salesperson because you represent more revenue, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that you hear all this thing, oh, they treat people like a number and this and that. that. That's true to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, there is this like, Executives love salespeople because salespeople represent revenue, right? If they're out there doing their thing. So you can connect yourselves with executives and kind of understand that business. That's one thing I've always done, no matter where I've sold, is I make friends with the president, I make friends with the CEO. Now, depending on the size of the company, that may be a little bit harder, but think one or two levels above you, right? Find out how the business works. What do they care about? What are they thinking about? What are the levers that they pull in the business? Like if you can start to understand the inner workings of your business that you're working in, even that by itself helps you better at selling your business, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can translate some of those things into your sales conversations. Now, for me, I sell services now. So it's really pretty easy for me to understand that our business really, it's a fairly low margin business. You're selling people. Those people are either profitable based on being more efficient in how they deliver the rate that we sell them at, right? Or yeah, rate and efficiency. Like those are basically mm-hmm. the two levers, right? So yeah. I can go into a sales conversation, you know, you get into uh discounting conversations or can you do this for less? Or well, since I know how the business works on the back end, without me having to go to my manager or any of that kind of baloney, I know how far I can stretch it. Mm-hmm. I know the margins. I know where the margins need to be. I know how much room I have. You know what I mean? I, I know those things and it helps me have a better business conversation with the other person at the other end. You know, someone says, well, hey, can you do any better? Can you sharpen your pencil on this? Like, well, I'm not pulling a piece of software off the shelf. I'm, I'm selling these people at this expertise. Those have a hard cost associated to them and you want this result. So do you want these people or do you want me to go find you lesser people? Mm-hmm. Right? Like those are yep. different types of conversations than just, oh yeah, let's discount it for the sake of discounting, right? So even understanding baseline of how your business works and how you make money will set you up for success. Exactly. And also the people you're selling to are running businesses. It doesn't yep. matter what you're selling. And I'll give you, I'll share a story. So there was a, you know, Fridays in the pharmaceutical world used mm-hmm. to be viewed as like prime time because doctors weren't as busy. And so that was a really great time. I found it to be the worst time. Right. And one of the reasons why is they're trying to get out of there as soon as possible. And I didn't think like that, which I, was a big mistake in my career for about six years in the medical space. I didn't think about right. it like a business. I thought about it like medicine mm-hmm. because I was always told, you know, it's about medical, it's about the patient outcomes, but it's a really, it's a business and they, they care about the bottom line. And so when I realized that, you know, one of the things that was really important to them was lowering their costs. Well, mm-hmm. I made a comment one time. It was like four o'clock on a Friday and I needed to hit my call numbers, which is hard on a Friday. Cause not every, I was in dermatology. They're not, not all in. Not, yeah. Not, not all dermatology offices are open on Fridays. They usually close at noon, but I still have to make calls till five. So I have to find people. And I remember going in to see this doctor the first time. It was like almost four o'clock 
And he kind of said, oh, hey, you know, what's your spiel? And I said, no spiel today. I just wanted to leave you some samples. I know you're trying to get everybody out of here by five because you don't want to have to worry about overtime. I'll try to come back when it's more convenient to you. And he kind of looked with like wide eyes. He goes, I tell you what, let's go to lunch next week. Just me and you. And let's talk about your product. He appreciated so much that I realized the minute it hits five, he wants all his nurses, his front office staff. He does not want them on overtime. He does not want them staying and working later. So he's trying to get his butt and everybody in the office out of there by five. I did not do that when I first hit the industry, because again, my mindset was wrong. It was medicine. It wasn't Mm -hmm. business, but they're running a business that happens to be medicine. And so I think that's fantastic advice to think of it. Everything you you deal with in sales, there's a business on the other end you're trying to sell to. Get to know their business. And if you can't, find somebody who can. And you had great advice. That's one thing I did not do at the company. I used to try to make friends with all the other reps. I did not go out, which was a mistake. I mentioned the first six years, I did it all wrong. So I've mentioned (laughs) to my audience, Josh, before that I'm not perfect and my career was not perfect. I had results, but I didn't do it the right way. I worked way too hard much harder than I should have because I didn't build the proper relationships. I wasn't focusing on my pipeline for life. I was so focused in the short term, in the micro, what, what's going to happen this, this week, this month, this quarter. So, you know, I wish I had, you know, I wish you'd, you'd been around in my life about 10 years earlier and and given me that advice. But if you're listening right now, listen to what Josh is saying, hundred percent correct. That'll take you much further than just trying to get in front of people and selling widgets all day long. Because until they understand that you know their business, they're not going to care about knowing yours. So building a pipeline for life, what other kind of catchphrases or you know, <laughs> processes do you have that really have set you up for success along those lines? Yeah. Well, I'll just tie off on what you, your example is a very good one because I did a brief stint in pharma that I didn't talk about. It was only about five months, but those folks, for those of you listening, they're in pharma sales or med device sales they're not business people. Mm-hmm. They're you know, physicians by trade and they have to run a business if it's their own private practice. If you can help them run their business better because that's not their key, you're going you're gonna to succeed. Trust me. I did it because that's where I came from. I came from B2B sales. So me selling medicine wasn't really my jam. I was trying to help them understand their business. And I got some funny looks, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. The concept about working with and getting building relationships within your own internal executive team or management team. So going back to the pipeline for life concept, those people aren't going to be there forever. They're going to go other places and the people that they trust and care about, they're going to take along with them. So if you want to building a pipeline for life, isn't just a sales pipeline, right? It's an opportunity pipeline. Those opportunities could be in all shapes and sizes. You know, I remember when I was running my production business that I had right out of college, I was doing a, I sold this, this guy who's a big commercial real estate guy, but all of his kids were high school athletes. And I had a sports recruiting piece of my production business, right? So I mm-hmm. built recruiting videos for all these kids who were trying to play college sports. And I did a recruiting video for all his kids. And, you know, I was, I would, whenever he was available, he was a busy guy, commercial real estate. So sometimes he'd come over at like seven, eight o'clock at night, you know, whenever he needed something, I would work around his schedule and this and that. And we stayed in contact over the years. Well, within the last eight months, he bought a CRM company for commercial real estate. 
that was going yeah. bankrupt. And he is trying to turn it around, help the go-to-market, build it so he can package it up and either grow it or sell it. And he needed some help with the go-to-market strategy side. So I was his first call. I stopped by his house. We talked. And you know, long story short, I'm on his advisory board now. And I have equity in this company that you know could be something. It's all vaporware right now. But if I help the company move the needle and, and drive forward, then it could be good for me later. So you know, one of your concepts was how do you exit? Building a pipeline for life should be a part of your exit plan as well, because all of those relationships could lead to something. You never know what. I never thought that Craig was going to call me and put me on the board of one of his software companies, but treating him right, always servicing him well, making sure that whatever he needed. And you know, there were different things along our relationship other than just the recruiting videos I did for his kids. But you know, that is just it doesn't matter what it is you're doing for him, treat people the right way. Mm-hmm. You, when you were talking, I, I, I jotted down a note. It's something that uh, my business partner, Justin says, build up such a network and advocates where you never have to apply for another job again. Oh my God. You, I love that. You don't need a resume. Yeah. If you, if you have enough people out there that know how good you are, you're never going to need another resume. You're not going to have to, you know, apply on anything on LinkedIn or search for jobs. You know, it's, it's, People call you up and they're like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, I've got something for you, or I've got this, you know, that's when, you know, you've kind of hit that mark. I was feverishly (laughs) applying for jobs. Unfortunately, some of the companies that I I started out with went out of business, you know, they were sold, they had to sell their products, other companies, and then everybody was laid off. And so I've, I've applied for hundreds of jobs. And you also mentioned when those executives go to another company, I hate to tell you folks, they're not opening up those jobs. I know technically and legally they have to. They are, but yeah, exactly. But those decisions are already made in territories where they have somebody that they can trust. So I live in Charlotte, which, you know, my, my dad was in pharmaceutical sales. And even back in the nineties, he said, Charlotte was a, you know, top 20 pharmaceutical market. Right. Uh, Just because, you know, you could live in Charlotte and there's all these small towns around Charlotte. And so. I guarantee you there's, I don't know, if I had to guess right now, I'd say there's at least 1,500 outstanding medical, pharma, eye care, dental reps in Charlotte. Wow. Who do you think an executive is going to pick between those people? Somebody they probably worked with, somebody somebody that their managers have probably worked with, a referral. That's yep. probably how it's going to happen. They're not going to be sifting through and trying to determine, well, this person's got this experience with this, you know, results and this person, no, that they are so busy. They want somebody, do you vouch for this person? And the manager is going to say, yes, great. Hire them. And they're going to move on to the next territory, especially with a startup. Yep. You know, if there's a company with a hundred reps, you know, the VP of sales is not agonizing over a 10,000 res- resumes. So I know legally they do have to post it and things like that, but it's kind of inside baseball, how things really work. And is it right? I don't know, but think about if you were going to open a business tomorrow and you needed to hire, I mean, I'm going to be opening a business with my wife, another business, another stream of income. I don't know if we, we, we mentioned this in the past, the, we bought two franchises for health and wellness. And Very so cool. we're, we're trying to lock down our first location, you know, get a lease, which has been challenging. So I'm learning a lot about commercial real estate, but I tell you what, when I, the minute that I need to start hiring, I'm going to reach out to the other franchise owners in Charlotte and say, who do you know? <laughs> That's the first, literally the first thing I'm doing. Who do you know? I'm going to reach out to my friends who, op- who own, you know, I, I have friends that open or that own a fitness center. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those HIT, you know, what's it called? HIT. High, the, high intensity, intensity interval training. Interval training. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask them, do you know anybody that would be interested in running the store? I'm going to need a general manager. I'm not just going to go to Indeed and try to pick out somebody and sift through resumes and do the whole coffee shop. You know, I'm going to lean on the network that I started building about eight years ago. And I, I'm, I'm kicking myself that I didn't start it 18 years ago, but hey, that's in the past. Can't cry over spilled milk, right? So everything you're doing right now is going to reflect on you. However, you can you can make a name for yourself by doing what Josh did, which was go talk to the CEO, go talk to the president, VP of sales. And when you show your curiosity, executives love curious people. Because in their mind, it's somebody that will kind of take what they say and really listen to it. And that's really what executives want is less friction. And so, you know, if you're a VP of sales and you talk to a new hire and they have all the answers, that's like sandpaper. That's not going to work out well. And so if push comes to shove, they might move on from you or they might, they might want to hire somebody else. Surviving Outside Sales Podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are in outside sales, check out RhythmAI.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm. Prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't. Try for $1 for the first month today. That's RhythmAI.com. Now back to the show. I can tell you in the B2B SaaS world, so I do a lot of work with B2B software companies. That's who our partner network is. The value of a VP of sales hire in that world is the reps that they can bring over. Mm. The CEO is not, the the first thing the CEO is going to ask him is, all right, how many of your guys or gals can you bring over? What's your team look like? Yep. That's how it's going to be. So if you're, if you are vested with that leader, you know them, you trust them, you learn from them, they learn from you. You're going to want to be on that train. You're going to want to make that jump with them. And that happens all the time. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of, we call it riding the coattails. Right. And so what, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I shared this, but I was out of pharma. Um, I was out of pharma in 2014. I had helped a startup was part of the startup founding of a, a pharmacy group. You know, we thought pharmacy was going to be the next wave and it kind of was for a little bit. And then it kind of died out with legislation, et cetera. And so we thought pharmacy pharmacies are going to be more powerful uh, than ever. And so I get a call from one of my buddies and again, no resume, uh, I get a call from one of my buddies and he goes, Hey man, do you want to, do you want an awesome job? And I said, all right, what is it? And he, he calls me all the time. God love him. We, we don't talk as much as we used to, but he always sends me jobs on LinkedIn, like even to this day, you know, and I was like, man, I'm good. Thanks. I appreciate that. But he still sends them to me. He sent one, he sent one to me last week. And he, he said, he sent me jobs with like big pharma. And he actually sent me a job for his company in Charlotte. And I said, what would the previous rep do? He said, back-to-back president's club. I probably should have taken it and been on easy street, but I, I said, what value can I bring to that position? The only thing it's going to do is go down. It's like taking over, you know, Larry Coker took over the Miami hurricanes and will forever be known as the guy that took the best college football team in the world. And I think they lost like five games his second year. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want that to be me. I want to, I want to build from the ground up. It's what gets me excited and all that stuff. But anyway, so he, he reached out to me and he said, no, this is different. This position 
what you want to do. It's not the job. It's the people that I'm going to connect you with. They're very successful. Two gentlemen, very successful. I'm still close to one of them, one of them this day. And it's actually my business partner was the guy that hired me. Yeah. And, um, he, he talking about, you know, riding coattails. I feel like I've ridden his coattails more than, you know, I feel as if I've brought to the table. So I'm, I'm trying to work in the future towards changing that. But he said, you want to know these guys because these are the two smartest guys I've ever met in sales and business. And they are, and they, and they were, they were at the time they are. And, and I said, okay. And all it was, was it was a phone call. It was a very intense interview. It was a four hour interview. And wow. the, the older gentleman who used to own a company and he said, that was probably one of the best interviews. And he was shocked because I was just being, I, I'm hundred percent honest. You, you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the answer, you know? And he, 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 he kept asking questions and they kept asking questions because they didn't believe my answers and they didn't believe the ideas I had about business and the big view. It was a lot of the people they interviewed kind of always said what they wanted to hear and kind of just, it was very micro-focused on the position, but I was talking about, you know, my five-year plan and all these different things that had nothing to do with the job. That's just how I, I always talk. And maybe right. that's why I didn't get some jobs in the past because they're thinking, I just need somebody to go out there and sell. I don't want this guy talking about being an entrepreneur. I don't want this guy talking about anything bigger than the position. But I took the offer because a friend of mine said, these are people you want to get to know. I didn't have to go through any of that resume thing. I didn't, I, it, was, it was a series of four interviews and I was hired. And yep. it was the best decision I made personally in my life, not just business but my life, because what it did was I kind of had my own isolated world where I did not have my pipeline for life. I would go out. I was a really hard worker and I turned around some terrible territories. And then when I got hired to, to work for this company, all of a sudden just learning their process and how they do things was so starkly different than what I had been taught and trained. It was almost like I was an infant again, and I was learning how to walk and talk in sales for the first time. And it opened my eyes to the fact that this little narrow view of what I thought the industry was and of what sales was is completely different. And so um, what we're talking about right now, I've literally been living it for the last eight years, and it's completely changed my life. I'm a walking, breathing example of what Josh is talking about. And so Josh, I've stolen the microphone for several minutes. I want to kick it back to you because I know my audience has heard my voice enough, but you know, what are your thoughts on somebody listening right now? What are some things that they can do today? I know it's before a major holiday, but there's going to be holidays coming up, but what can they do? Let's say in the next three months, next quarter, what can they do to start building that pipeline for life and start implementing some of your ideas if they haven't done so thus far? Yeah. One of the most powerful things you can do, and I don't care what it is you're selling, is you can get on LinkedIn and start creating a voice, start having a point of view, start having a perspective. It can be within your field directly. It can be about sales. It could be about something, right? But you're finding as the market is starting to shift, and especially in an industry like pharma, as an example, where access is becoming more and more difficult. Mm-hmm that you need to have other ways to engage with people. And as much as they want to say, oh, well, doctors aren't on social baloney. They sure are. They're people just like you and me. 
they are scrolling Facebook, they're scrolling LinkedIn, they're doing all that same stuff and they're looking to make those connections. So I would say the one thing you can do is start to build your own voice and use the platform that helps you connect people, start building connections in your space digitally. And you can honestly build relationships there. I know it sounds super weird. I remember my boss in 2006, I joined LinkedIn and he was like, is this going to actually help you meet new people? Or are you just connecting with all the people you already know? I said, well, right now I'm connecting with all the people I already know, but I can tell you, you know, you fast forward the 15 years that I have met for the first time, opened the door, had digital conversations, had phone conversations, and I've had face-to-face, you know, on the road, flown out to a different city and had a dinner or business meeting with dozens of those people. So you can honestly start to build up your own voice and your own your own brand, so to speak. I know that term's a little bit overused, mm-hmm. but your own brand on LinkedIn. It doesn't have to be a brand, but it does give you an opportunity and a platform to differentiate yourself. And you might be thinking, well, if so many people are doing it already, how are you differentiating? Well, another concept that I really like is the concept of niche wins. Right. So being all things to all people means you're nothing to no one. So if you can niche yourself in a very specific place and live where you want to live, it's easy to build an audience within a niche. And even on a platform that seems very broad, like LinkedIn, you can build niche audiences and drive what it is you want to drive, drive the messaging, drive the network, drive the conversations that you want to drive. That's only going to help what you do when you walk into a doctor's office, if that's, if that's the type of selling that you're doing. So I can tell you, like you said, you've interviewed a ton. I've actually only interviewed once in my career. And that was when I interviewed for a pharma job because I was making a career transition. Hmm. And there were only two things that anyone ever wanted to talk about when I was interviewing for a pharma job, my failed business and my use of social media. Those are the Hmm. only two things that anyone ever wanted to talk about. They loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Now, times have changed. Obviously, that's a little bit more progressive now, but or more normal now, but you know, those are things that differentiate knowing business. I knew business. I was in it. I failed. I had a business. I, you know, I ran it for five, six years. You could call it a failed business, but it wasn't a failed experience. Yeah. I learned a lot from it. That is, that's one of the things, you know, I'm glad you brought that up is everybody posts the hits on, Mm -hmm. you know, social media and everybody fails. I failed. I failed a ton and you know what? You know, the rule in life is just get, get up one more time than you get knocked down. Right. You've only failed truly. If you fail to get up that last time and you just stay on the canvas and you're knocked out. And so, you know, every, yeah, everybody's failed. And you know, the people that say I've never failed, I've never done this. No, that's, that's, that's BS. Everybody yeah. has failed. And you, as long as you haven't, as long as you don't repeat it, then it's a win because, Hey, look, I've tried, let's see between multi-level marketing and startups, this, you know, rhythm AI was my fifth, my Mm -hmm. fifth startup. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know where surviving outside sales is going to head. I do, I do think I've met so many interesting people that can kind of build this into something much bigger, but it's, it's evergreen, it's morphing. And, you know, so is rhythm, you know, both of those are growing. And so I don't know where they're going to go, but I know how the previous startups and the previous businesses I've done, how they failed. And so I'm not going to make those same mistakes again. And so that's the value. I think anybody who hasn't failed, hasn't pushed themselves 
to the limits of their capabilities or even exceeded them. Hey, you know, I'm never going to be able to, you know, 360 uh, windmill dunk, but it's okay if I try, you know what I mean? Right. But it, it's just, uh, and that's kind of a, of a uh, you know, ridiculous example, but I think everybody understands what, I, what I'm talking about. There's two things I want to touch on. The first is a statement and then your thoughts on that. And then the next is your opinion. The statement is, for those of you who are listening, I saw a statistic last year that on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, not Facebook, Facebook is the exception, TikTok, only 1% of the people are content creators. And what a content creator is, is somebody who posts more than twice a week. That's a content creator. Only 1% of Twitter, you know, all the ones that I listed, that means 99% are just information takers. I'll Mm -hmm. be honest. I don't really post anything on Twitter. I just take information. I post probably not as much as I should on the other social medias. I'm a taker. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to change that. So like you mentioned, people are watching. They're just not. They may not be interacting because all they're doing, it's like they're just walking down the street, looking into the uh, department stores to see what's there. They're not going in to shop. They're not going in to buy. But you know what's going to happen? One time that they need that product or service, they're going to say, you know what? Where did I see that before? Oh, that's right. I saw it when I was walking down Fifth Avenue and I saw it in that store. They're going to go back and they're going to purchase it or they're going to walk into the store, try it on, et cetera. And so you make an excellent point. At the beginning, when I started doing LinkedIn, I was like, oh man, nobody's interacting with my posts. And then all of a sudden the people that would reach out to me, I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't like, share, comment. You didn't. And it's just, it happens too. Like I can't hit like on everything that I see. I can't share everything that I see on LinkedIn, but I'm seeing when people are getting hired, I'm seeing when people are having transitions, I'm seeing the content. And so that's kind of the statement. I don't know if you want to add anything to the, you know, social media posting or the viewing. If not, I can I can move on to my next. You know, what do you think about that? You're absolutely right. I would say the number of I I was shocked at the number of people who I'd get on a phone call with a partner rep or I'd fly out to a city to do a dinner with some clients and prospects or whatever. And how many people one-to-one would say, oh, I love that video you did on XYZ that you posted on LinkedIn. Oh, I was listening to your podcast with so-and-so. They've never commented on anything. They've never hit the like button. They've never wrote a review, anything like that. But like you said, people are watching. There are so many more people consuming information than there are actually creating information. So the point there is that you have an opportunity to differentiate yourself. And I think that you know, one of the things that I like to talk about is, you know, when you, when you build a company, you always go and talk about product market fit, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there should be this concept for people in sales for seller market fit. I don't know. There's gotta be a better way to say that. But what I mean is I sell marketing to marketers. I'm good at it. I get the persona. I understand how they work. I'm able to have good conversations with them. I'm a pretty good, pretty good fit. If I had to go sell engineering to engineers, I probably wouldn't be a very good salesperson. I'd I'd probably actually suck at it. Mm -hmm. So sales is a very broad term Mm -hmm. and a very broad profession. You know, you have this knowledge in the pharma space because you sold there for a long time, Mm -hmm. but you're doing other things now, right? So that's what I would say in general about that or, or even any of this is that Think about 
what you, you, you talk about getting started, dominating, getting out. So think about getting out. What does getting out really mean to you? Does it mean getting out of the sales profession? Does it mean getting out of your current role? Does it mean moving up into management? Does it, it could mean a lot of different things. And I think, especially in the world I live in, which is, you know, B2B sales and SaaS and that kind of thing. It's almost like this. Okay. You become a sales development rep at a college. Then you become a closing AE in the SMB. Then maybe you get a commercial AE job. And then maybe you go to leadership. You know, it's just like this linear path. It's like checking all these boxes. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. There are other things you can sell. You can go sell in big markets. You can sell in small markets. You can tell, sell high velocity, single call clothes. You could sell pharma. You could sell enterprise where you work on one deal for 18 months. And that's like, there's a million different ways you can sell. Mm-hmm. You have to think about your personality, where you fit, where you thrive and be super self-aware around what's going to make you successful because there's a lot of different ways to sell a lot of different things to sell. And if selling is something you're passionate about, I bet you can find a good fit for yourself. Absolutely. And selling is everything in life. You know, the, the book, I think it's Daniel Pink to sell as human. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm saying that right. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. I mean, everything you do is selling, you know, I have to sell my uh, toddler on going to bed on time, why she can't <laughs> stay up and play with her toys. And yep. so it's basically influence and, and changing behavior into a way that you want that behavior to be changed without Correct. physical, physical violence or force, et cetera, because yeah, that'd be terrible if you're walking in an office and the fist fight breaks out to get a sale, right? You know, actually I'm six, four, about 260 pounds built like an NFL player. I'd be very happy if that happened, but you know, ridiculousness aside, um, yeah, I completely agree. It's you know, find out what you're passionate about. And so, you know, the two franchises that I bought are in the health and wellness space, mm-hmm. things I'm extremely passionate about. And actually that company that I went to work for with the two gentlemen, that was actually probably the best pharmaceutical experience I had because the products were not synthetic. They were more health. They're called medical foods. I don't want to go down to that Google medical foods. If you're listening right now, it's a class of non-synthetic pharmaceutical products that has to be administered by a physician. So it's a prescription product, go through the pharmacy, but it's non-synthetic. So basically it's not creating, it's not robbing Peter to pay Paul. The side effect profiles are very, very minimal. You know, I used to sell NSAIDs with black box warnings. I told, I'd never do that again. Uh, You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So you know, so the health and wellness space. So it's another offshoot brand that I am passionate about and that I want to use. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use all my services every day because I want to keep myself as healthy as possible. And so really, you know, your advice is, and and I don't want to put words in your mouth is just finding something you're really passionate about and you really, and you really, you wake up in the morning and, you know, you want to sell because you want to find solutions within a space that make other people's situation better you're solving their problems, but you enjoy doing it. It's a topic you love to talk about. I love health, sports, uh, working out, you know, getting better, but I have a, a medical background in sales. You yep. lump all those together and what do you get? Health and wellness. You know there what I mean? Go. So it's not like I'm trying to open a hardware store because even though I am a guy and I'm a dad and I'm, I, you know, I, I have screwdrivers and things like that in the garage, that really doesn't interest me. Like I don't want to start yeah. building houses, metaphorical in sales. Yes. The last thing I want to touch on, and I really do appreciate your time, is you mentioned kind of the branding side, mm-hmm. and I think you do an excellent job. What advice or, or what, what's your thought about what the word brand means and how somebody can elevate their brand, especially using LinkedIn? Well, when it comes to personal branding, I think it means 
how people perceive you through what you put out there. So people perceive you regardless of if you put a personal brand out there or not mm-hmm. certain ways, but if you are proactive and having a point of view, then it's going, you're going to have a better chance of shaping how people perceive you. Right. So my whole goal really is to just let people know that I have a point of view, right. And that point of view comes from a lot of experience. And I put that experience out with singular posts, with podcast episodes, and with sometimes short little clips. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't really go too far overboard. I'm not, you know, I don't hold myself to some standard of you have to post every day or you have to post twice a day or anything like that. I try to post real stuff, but a lot of my just one-off posts come from inspiration from calls. So I'll get off the call with a prospect, something I heard, how I handled it, how they handled it. Mm-hmm. That's a post, right? It's just very everyday type of stuff. So there is enough around you happening. That's what a lot of people like, oh, where am I going to come up with content? How am I going to create content? How am I going to have a voice? There's stuff happening around you every day that is your content. The more you write, the better you get, the more creative you get. I'm not a creative person. People love to say that. You don't necessarily have to be super creative, but you will find that if you write and the more you write, the better you get at writing and the more creative you just become. And it is really a function of just drawing inspiration from the things around you. It's it's really not that hard. The one thing I will say, and you know this being a, a former professional athlete, mm-hmm. nothing beats consistency. Hmm. And I, if I'm not nothing, I'm a consistent person. So like you, I love health. I love wellness. I love working out. I wasn't a professional athlete, but I played hockey in college. I also work out. I get up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. every day and I work out. I built a gym into my house. I've got the tools for that consistency. I don't know a lot of people that when I decide that I'm going to do something that I will do it consistently to know if it's going to fail or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just do something and think it fails, but they didn't tr- do it enough to know if it's really going to fail. So mm-hmm. the podcast is a good example. You're doing it. Most podcasts fail within the first five episodes mm. and fail just means they stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they people were listening. People probably weren't within the first five, but failure is literally, they stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. I have 83 episodes just because every week I do it. It's a part of my routine. It's something I do. So make something, be consistent. Like there's got to be something, if, again, if you're passionate about it, it's not that hard to change your routine a little bit to insert that piece. So whether it's eating a good breakfast or working out or podcasting or writing a LinkedIn post or doing that extra, asking that extra weird question to the next physician you walk into, like, Whatever it is, the the pattern of what you did was a pattern interrupt. That example you gave earlier, I love those, right? Just norm, different from what they normally hear. Yeah. Consistency beats everything. And there's a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, which I get frustrated with by people that are posting about quick fixes or hacks or, oh. or this or that. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be good, get good at sales without selling. I wasn't always good at sales. I'm pretty good at it now. I make good money. Like I have a good pipeline. Like I've got a good network. Like I'm pretty good at it, but I've been doing it for 20, 25 years. Right. And I think I do it the right way. So, and it's not like a a brag. It's just, I have experience, gain experience, talk to your executives, go 
have weird conversations with your prospects that aren't the by the book conversation that they taught you in training. Go meet with people in other industries that are selling things. Go talk to Mike about his business and what the struggles are. You know what I mean? Like just learn stuff, be a sponge for knowledge because all of that rolls up into your collective experience that rolls up to, this gets back to branding, I promise, that rolls up to your point of view and your point of view then becomes your brand that you put out there in the marketplace. So leverage your experience to, to make, to create your point of view and to create your brand. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. I think the advice is spot on, especially in a day of social media where you know you can really change your image and your brand very quickly. And I agree, you know, the consistent you talk about, I was consistently doing a podcast. And then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in one of my episodes, if you listened out there uh, for the audience, I life happened and I took a four month break Mm -hmm. and my, it was hard starting. Oh my gosh. Isn't it a slog? I mean, it really like one, you know, bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. And so Mm -hmm. if you have your process and the system I had in place was almost flawless. And then all of a sudden I had some major changes happen and I didn't know how to handle it. And so what that did was, I mean, I was at the beach last week and I still had three mm-hmm. podcast episodes released. Yep. You know why? Because I realized I was going on vacation. I had to put them in the can. I didn't yes, wait till the last moment. And so, you know, anybody who's listening is like, oh, you know, wait, Mike went to the beach. Yep. I was at the beach all week and I had mm-hmm. episodes released. I had some posts on LinkedIn, not that's as much right. as I would like, because I'm still learning and that's okay. I have failed, but I'm still going. I'm still learning. I'm not trying to be perfect. You know, I'm not trying to create the perfect posts. I'm just, I'm trying to post as much as I can. I want it to be good content. I just want to share. That's really all I'm doing is just sharing my opinion. Exactly. Right. Agree or disagree. But you know, the consistency, my partner would absolutely be beaming right now. when he listens to this because he preaches it. He is the most consistent person in the world. Like he literally, no matter where, when it is, what day it is, gets up at the same time every day, Mm -hmm. same time he eats a cup of coffee, same time he goes to bed at night. I mean, he's a machine, you know, and he, that was one of the things that we talk about in in our sales environment is consistency. And so the two things that I I wanted to hit on the biggest two things was the pipeline for life and, you know, building that network. And the second is consistency. And so you put those two together. I think that's the winning formula and the winning combination combination of all the three things in surviving outside sales. If you're in the beginning, you, you learn how to build that pipeline and focus on the consistency of doing those actions and taking mm-hmm. action. And then you do that and you continue to do that. All of a sudden you're going to start dominating because people are going to be coming to you with business. You're not going to have to work as hard. And then when you're getting out, like you mentioned, Josh, h- having people throw opportunities your way because they realize how smart you are and, and what value you can bring to an organization. And all of a sudden it goes back to never having to apply for a job again. I mean, people, you mentioned just Hey, I need you to come on the board for those of you out there. Like I'm not on a board. Well, technically I am a company that I started. I'm on the board, but if somebody came to me and said, Mike, we'd really love for you to join the board of directors. I'd be like, oh my gosh. I'd like, I'd be honored. It would be one of the biggest honors. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, follow the, I'm a sales rep. I'm a sales rep. I'm not. Yeah. Follow, follow the blueprint of Josh and how can the audience how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach out to you besides li- listening to the Love Selling Hate Sales podcast? Yeah. So lovesellinghatesales.com, do that. Also, there is 
my LinkedIn, Josh Wagner AZ on LinkedIn. You can find me there posting fairly frequently. And then if you really want to get me, josh.wagner at shiftparadigm.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And as always, please like, share, download um, the show. We really do appreciate it, Josh. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. I look forward to future conversations between us. Any, any last words for the audience before I literally sign off? Nope. Build a pipeline for life. Do it. Hey, you, he's already given you all the knowledge. So thank you so much and everyone have a great day.